Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about your favorite movies. What do they say about you and how could, what can you learn about yourself based on the movies that you love the most? But before that, it's story time. We open every podcast with either a story or a joke. And John, today it's your turn. It is my turn to tell a story. Uh, this happened when I was at a university. I think it was my junior year not that important but uh there's an international student uh named we'll call him ken just because i'm you know probably shouldn't use his you're real not going to use his real name i mean well does it incriminate him no, is there some no, reason he would be ashamed a, of this no <laughs> well then use the guy's name he's your friend give him he, some credit he honestly, he's my, okay his name's kevin so it's not even that different than the actual <laughs> name <laughs> I figured I might slip up and say the actual name anyway. Oh, uh, right. So I'd give him a fake name close to the real one. Right. Okay. So that, Kevin. Right. That's some lying advice. If so you, you want. got okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not give lying advice on our podcast. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you got this friend. He's an international. Student, yeah. He's, he's from Kevin. China. He's China. Very very. A Chinese man named Kevin. Named Kevin. Yeah. This story's great. His name, his birth name is not Kevin. Most international students, when they came to oh, they the school, t- they take an American name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's smart. Yeah, uh, just be, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't actually remember what his um, his birth name was, but uh, anyway, uh, a lot of people because you know English was his his very very much not his first language. He would uh, ask help from whoever was sitting around him in classes, and it was you know totally no one no one minded obviously. Yeah. If we were in China as an international student, we'd need sure far Lots more help. help than yeah. that. Lots of help. And uh, he would do this thing where every at the towards the end of every semester, whoever was helping him for that class, he would take out to lunch. Oh wow! And I hadn't heard of this until it happened to me. But uh, Kevin, I was helping him with um, again, not important what the class was, but I can't remember. Uh, and he he said, "Let me take you out to lunch." And I thought it was one of those things, you know, it happens where you're like, "Hey man, let's hang out," and you both go, "Yeah," and right. then it never happens. Right. You know? Right. Uh, but he was very persistent, and so uh, he took me out to this um, uh, a place that is also very Chinese. Like the menus were in Chinese. There's no oh, English wow. in the whole building, and the food was amazing. And obviously, I couldn't order because I couldn't read anything. Right, so right. he asked kind of what I liked, and then I remember he asked, uh, "Do you like pig's feet?" And I said, "Very much, no." <laughs> and, and and but everything he got it was so delicious, and he like tons of leftovers went home with me. Paid for the whole thing. Wow, it was a treat. Um, and so, uh, when we're there, he says, you know, it's still some communication breakdowns going on. And he, he mentions something about a birthday he has to go to later. And then, uh, so I'm like, okay. And he's asking if like, I would go there, like, like how, how it was going to work because he drove me there. So if he was going to drop me off or or if I was going to go with him to the birthday and just kind of hang out a little bit, you know? And then, uh, so I kind of mentioned that I would probably like to go. Yeah. I need to go home. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, and then very briefly towards the end of the meal, he says something about a haircut, kind of in a rush. <laughs> and, and so, uh, so the meal wraps up and we're heading back and, uh, we're not going towards the, the school, school. Right. We're, going, <laughs> we're heading towards downtown Bellevue. Yeah. And, uh, I'm kind of, then I assume we're going to the birthday party. Uh, and we pull up to this place. Um, I think it was called Muse, also not important, mm-hmm. but a quick shout out if that is the name, a barbershop yeah. in downtown Bellevue. And uh, everyone there is Chinese. 
uh, speaking Chinese to each other. And he's going to get him and a good old fashioned Chinese get himself haircut. haircut. And I'm just yeah. there to, to <laughs> there for the ride. And how long uh, did that take? I don't know. They handed me a soda when I walked in. They said, here's a, a Coca-Cola. Right. Uh, and I just sat in this barber chair next to Kevin while he got a, he got a really nice haircut and some purple uh, streaks in his hair. Oh, nice. I guess for this birthday he was going to. Yeah. He dressed really well. Kind of um, looking like Rufio. A little bit, yeah. Not yeah. not that vibrant, but oh, kind okay. of a darker purple. Okay. Um. And yeah, it was just one of the strangest days in my entire life. I've had a pretty. So did he take life. you to the birthday party? Or no, after that you? he took me back to the uh, back to the school. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the great guy. Really, really strange day. So it turned out not to be a completely free lunch. It cost you some time. It cost me some time, but some it, ca- it gave me a story. Yeah, I did. It did. So really, I I I only gained that day. I didn't lose a darn. Oh, thing. that's awesome. Yeah, that's a good way to look at that. All right, because that's one of the reasons I always take my own car. <laughs> <laughs> that way I have an exit strategy in case something like that happens. If yeah. somebody wants me to go, you know, go with them while they color their hair purple, I have a way to get out. It honestly, it didn't take as long as I thought it would. They were very good at it. Yeah. But, uh, I was, it was like, uh, I felt like Marco Polo in the, in the throne room of, of Genghis Khan, you know, it was like, it was so, uh, I was so funny. foreign to the, uh, it's kind of like the opposite of, uh, in the movie. Cause we're going to talk about movies today. Uh, that movie with Clint Eastwood, uh, Gran Torino, mm. where he takes the Korean kid oh, into the barbershop yeah. to learn how to be an American man. <laughs> right. You kind of had the opposite of that. The opposite of that, except I was not spoken to by anybody. No they one handed, spoke to you no, at all. Kevin asked me on behalf of one of them if I wanted a soda. And so I said, <laughs> sure. And they handed me this can of Coke. And no, I was not. Was know. anybody else drinking Cokes? No. Oh. I was the only, me and Kevin were the only customers in there. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So, Why didn't you get your haircut? You could have had some purple streaks there too. And I think they even asked me. They asked if I wanted my haircut, and, uh, I, and I said no. Yeah, um, my mom does that. Yeah, she does. Yeah, pretty well. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about movies. Yeah, yeah we've, we've been looking forward to this episode because we both love movies. And mm-hmm. if you hang around the Lad House, uh, movie quotes are woven into almost every conversation, and movies are referred to often. And and when I teach at church, I frequently drop movie quotes into my messages without <laughs> referring to them. And people who know the movie will say to me after church, I caught that one, you know. Yeah. And the most famous is The Princess Bride. I drop in Princess Bride quotes all the time. You drop quotes into your writing. When I was editing The Pursuit, which is the book that, <laughs> <laughs> that my dad wrote, and I, I added some stuff and, and edited it. A lot of quotes, song quotes, movie quotes. Yeah. And some of them I thought were intentional, like subconscious slips. Oh, no, they're all intentional. I now really, I know. Yeah, yeah, I really like doing that. And so uh, I had this thought about about your favorite movies that um, when you think about, and I don't know if this is true for women. That would be a fascinating conversation. Hmm. I don't understand women. I'm not a woman. <laughs> and I've been told that Sigmund Freud at the end of his life, said, you know, he'd been studying human beings forever. Mm-hmm. And he said, I just have one question about women. What do they want? Uh, <laughs> so I don't I'm know. I'm sure that's a real quote. It might be. You never know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I can't speak for women in movies. Hmm. Uh, like I think about my wife, Sue. I can't think of what movies say about her. But with men, I have found that there's some commonalities about the movies you love and something they speak to you, the way that they speak to you. And maybe they speak to this private part of you, this this part of you that might need to be mined out and discussed. Hmm. So, uh, John, when you think about your favorite movies, what jumps to the front of your mind on, in terms of what movies they are? Yeah, that's a 
really hard question. I have this, I think it's a disorder where if anyone asks me my favorite anything, <laughs> all of it. my knowledge of those things disappears. <laughs> Someone says, what TV shows do you like? And yeah. I go, have I seen? Okay. Let TV me ask show? you, who's your favorite wife? Okay. Well, that's easy. I oh, only okay. got the one. Lindsay. Okay. But, but because I knew this was the topic, I've had time to repair. So okay. I do have a list. But okay. Yeah. If you ever catch me unaware, it's a, uh, it's a little tricky, but, um, a lot of favorite movies. First ones come to mind is uh, 2004's Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. directed by Sam Raimi. Now, okay. There's a bunch of Spider-Man movies. You know, it's happened a bunch. So, yeah, so this yeah. one in particular. Uh, one of the, not only one of the best superhero movies, one of the best, in my opinion, movies. It is clean cut storytelling. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, directed oh. by Steven Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jaws, also directed by Ooh, Steven Spielberg. The original Jaws. The original Jaws. Yeah. Jaws 1. Um, and Fargo, directed by the Coen Brothers. Oh, Fargo! Yeah, I do like the Coen Brothers. Yeah, they're weirdos, man. I they're... <laughs> and Fargo. I I I don't get it like you get it. You got to have a certain level of nerdness to love that movie. I think. Well, we'll get into it, but I think the trick with Fargo is accepting that it's not as complicated as you think it might right, be. Right, it's pretty simple. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't need to dig too deep for Fargo. I agree. So let's go back to Spider Man Two, mm-hmm. and uh, what do you love about that movie? What's so great about that one? Out of Spider-Man the Spider-Man 2. Well, the, how about yeah. we, you list your movies too. We'll do, we'll do movie for movie, but oh, okay. I, I got my list out. You get your list out. Okay. Well, you know, when I think of movies I love, I love um, uh, the Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Man, that's just a classic. That's a tearjerker. Yeah. Uh, um, I love, um, uh, You Can't Handle the Truth. What is that? Uh, a Few, few Good, good men. men. I yeah. love that movie. I love Gladiator. I love Braveheart. I love pa- The Patriot. The hairy chested movies. Hairy <laughs> chest. You like these movies? Yeah, I love. I love. Uh, uh, man, I love the Bourne series. Oh yeah, love man. those. The first three. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I. You can make a bad one, and I'll still watch it because I love. Yeah, Bourne. I'll buy the ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mi movies are pretty good. You know, so for me, it's a lot of action adventure. Uh, hero guy who's not mm-hmm. got supernatural powers. I, you lose me at fantasy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I enjoy. I, I love the the first um, dude in the rocket guy. Uh, dude in the what? <laughs> <laughs> the dude in the rocket suit. Uh, uh, Iron Man. Iron Man. I love. I love. I love the first Iron uh, Man. I also love uh, thinking movies. Goodwill Hunting. Man, mm. what an amazing. Amazing movie. Yeah. Uh, there's a movie about a father and son, and it's called uh, The Great Santini. I've told you about that movie before. I, yeah, I don't know if I've seen that one. Uh, it's old. And, man, it is so, so good about a father and son's relationship. You and I saw one with uh, Will Smith where it was kind of like a not, – not Will Smith, Denzel Washington. And it was uh, – it you could tell it was a Broadway play. Because oh, Fences. Fences. Oh, That's my a, goodness. What an amazing – That was incredible. Yeah, amazing movie. So those are the okay. kind of movies I love. Okay. I shouldn't put myself too high. I love movies that I haven't that I didn't list. You know the the real, the real mindless stuff. Uh, well, sure. I don't mind candy. I don't even want to go there. Okay, because you're going to get into you know fantasy land and well, I'm science just, fiction. Yeah, and I'm just saying I don't want people to think that I only watch the like Star top Wars ten out of things. tens. Right. You know? Like right. I, I like a lot of dumb stuff too. Sure. sure. Some people would say Spider Man Two fits that. And I would say that they're very wrong. Spider-Man 2. <laughs> so tell me about Spider-Man yeah, 2. Out of all the spider, what do you call those? A franchise. Yeah. Why that one? So really, uh, there are three movies in that trilogy. The third one is a garbage movie that okay. only garbage people like. 
Okay. So garbage people. Garbage you just, people. Wow, you just categorized somebody. Well, uh, fun fact: I didn't categorize anyone because no one likes that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad movie. I'm betting Spider Man likes it. I don't. He's well, cashing he, those I'm checks. I'm sure he got plenty of money. Yeah. Spider Man Two uh, is all about. So the reason you know you think of Batman, right? He's a cool hero who has a secret identity. A mm-hmm. lot of the Marvel heroes don't have secret identities. Batman does. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, well, it's so self-sacrificial, right? No one knows who he is. He doesn't get the glory. But he's also a billionaire. So there's right, not a whole lot right. of sacrifice there. Who needs there. glory, yeah. Exactly. He doesn't have friends or family. Yeah. Peter Parker has friends and family. He's very poor. And he sacrifices his time, which he does not have. And he could use those powers Spider-Man. to, like, steal things, get rich, oh my goodness, do whatever yeah. he wants to, to cater to his own desires. Well, the first, yeah, in the first uh, movie of the trilogy, which is also a great movie, mm-hmm. uh, he does dabble in using it for selfish means and that all kinds of chaos ensues. But Spider-Man 2 is all about uh, self-sacrifice with, with absolutely zero personal reward. Mm-hmm. There is nothing mm-hmm. he gets out of the deal. Uh, except, except to be genuinely altruistically good. Yeah. To so, do good things. Right. So the what's up, the point of Spider-Man 2 is him uh giving up the mantle and living for himself for a, a brief section in the middle and realizing and re- that you just can't do it. Yeah. Uh because and and so it's kind of the Lord of the Rings goes with that with the you know the the uh the responsibility of having the ring. Mm-hmm. You know, you you embrace this responsibility with, with of course the famous quote with great power comes great exactly. responsibility and so he really embraces that and and gives himself to this life that chose him right and he the thing that i love about it is is it's not it doesn't look like because any you watch a marvel movie you're like i'd love to be that guy yeah I, right no one would want to be peter parker in this movie in the comics even maybe but in this movie that's the reason i love it so much mm. is because it is so not glamorous now i don't remember if i've seen that one or not I'm sure, i watched on repeat for about three years when i was a kid so i'm sure you walked in yeah <laughs> i'm sure i've seen pieces of it um and i may have seen the whole thing um <clears throat> but i don't remember ever being having that speak to me that i wouldn't want to be him Mm. because there's something about swinging through the air and being able to do these things and stopping bad guys in their tracks and helping yeah. people who need a leg up and deliverance. There's something super rewarding about that. Even though you live this mediocre, poor economic life um, and you're lonely, you know, that's the thing right. he realizes he can't let anyone love him because if somebody finds out who he is, they will hurt them. Right. Kind of a thing. Yeah. Very classic superhero stuff. Um, and, but the reason I think they spend so much time in Spider-Man two on him, his really terrible landlord asking for rent that he doesn't have. Yeah. And like, uh, his, you know, him getting fired and stuff like that. They, they spend a lot of time on these moments of kind of Charlie Brown stuff, you know, right, him like reaching right. for the football and kicking it out before, <laughs> right, he can, right. before he can grab it. So they spend almost more time on that than they do Spider-Man stuff. Um, so anyway, themes wise, that's what's going on. Is and so a, why does that speak to you? That, that particular one, what is that? What? What in Jonathan does that grab and say, hey, this this moves me? Well, I think the the virtue of it comes through in that uh, that that is what I guess really informed me of that. That's what like a hero is. And mm-hmm. that's why like now at the time, obviously, I didn't make these kinds of connections, but it really uh, demonstrates kind of uh, kingdom values. Yeah. You know, yeah. that really the, the things that you get out of serving and um, and, you know, self-sacrifice aren't tangible things at all ever mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. or at least they shouldn't be or they and, or they they don't have to be right and they well, might be on occasion exactly yeah and th- yeah not to say that if you are benefiting from your service that it's that you're doing it wrong. yeah that now that now it's somehow not valuable right but the but i guess as a kid it was that the purest form of the virtue 
mm-hmm. was in that movie. Whereas like, you know, I love superhero movies, but in all of them, you could like, you could see other reasons why you do this. Like Batman, the the crux of his whole thing is, is it like, is he getting revenge on the criminal underworld of Gotham or is he right. like yeah. on a holy crusade? His motives are not pure because exactly. he's venging his father's death. Exactly. And he still, he doesn't murder people and stuff like that. So he's like, uh, that's a whole nother yeah, thing. Yeah, he, he never kills, does he? No. Batman. Okay, we're getting off track there because right. it's so easy to do this with movies. But, exactly. Uh, but, but, but but this virtue in you, so this speaks to you of uh, kind of the call of Jesus. If anyone wants to find his life, he must lose it. Right. And to, uh, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will not bear much fruit. But if it dies, it'll bear much fruit. So this, this, uh, this kind of surreal, ultimate, um, overarching call, Jonathan, die to yourself. Live, live right. for something bigger than you. Uh, live to give, not to take that kind right. of thing. Right. And yeah. And fortunately in real life, that's a, it's a hopeful message because of the, the great end of it all is, um, is not just like wasting away and dying. It is, you mm-hmm. know, life. Spider-Man two is a, is a somber movie. Cause even at the end when he beats the bad guy, he's still resigned to a life where he's not going to do what he wants. He has a lot of internal, or I think he has maybe just one internal monologue and one kind of hazy dream sequence. But, uh, so I guess, yeah, the, the just the, um, I don't know, just he the, embraces this life of the, the duty of it. And yeah, that, of, that always appealed to me was of, that he, yeah, that he realized that it was his duty to do this and he could not in good conscience, not do it. Sure. So it's, sure. it's very romanticized. Obviously it's not, it's not, you know, it's still a movie. I, I, I love that. So let's switch gears to one of my movies. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I love these epic scenes. Uh, where a man um, practices his masculinity, his authority, his courage in terrifying ways or or defining moments. And so mm-hmm. when I think about uh, Gladiator, you know, when when Maximus is um, he's he he's been a general, a powerful general uh, to the emperor, but the emperor's son sabotages him because the emperor's son wants to be the emperor, and the emperor is going to make. Maximus the emperor. Hmm. So uh, he kills his father and he sabotages Maximus. So he becomes a gladiator, which is basically a con- an inmate, a prisoner who travels around and fights in Colosseums for sport. Sure. And so they fight to the death. And so in this, you know, defining moment scene, the emperor's son comes down into the, to the Colosseum floor, not knowing who that gladiator is. Oh yeah. But he's so popular and he, and he says, remove your mask. And he won't do it. And because he knows as soon as this guy sees who he is, it's it's like, who yeah. knows what's next. So he just walks away and he disrespects him in front of this whole Coliseum. So the, the guy stops him. And so he removes his mask and the guy, you know, basically craps his pants when he sees who it is. <laughs> and uh, Maximus says this, you know, who am I? My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north. General of of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father of a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. What an epic uh, speech, you know, monologue mm-hmm. that is. And, you know, the thing, he, he loved his wife so much that he has this powerful uh, woman of power and beauty who wants him, and he will not give himself to another relationship out of respect for his dead wife. That was always a problem I had with Braveheart was that he, he eventually sleeps with some woman. I forget. I haven't seen the movie in a little while, but 
Right. Yeah, I don't remember either. I kind of blocked that out because I remember the things that I love about that. Right. You know, that's brave, a cool part of Gladiator. Yeah, and and it's that it's that uh, brave man sacrifice for the good, uh, stand up and face evil, even at the price of your own life. And you mentioned Braveheart. You know, in that you know, that William Wallace uh, deal. You know, uh, in that final battle, he's got all of his men there, and um, they're clearly outnumbered, mm-hmm. and it's it appears to be a suicide mission to go into this last fight and his horseback speech, you know, he gets all those guys in front of him and he says, I am William Wallace. And some guy from the crowd, you know, yells out, William Wallace is seven feet tall. (laughs) And he says, yes, I've heard kills men by the hundreds. And if he were here, he had consumed the English with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning from his arse. (laughs) I love that. And he says, I am William Wallace, and I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You have come to fight as free men, and free men you are. What would you do with your freedom? Will you fight? And some veteran old guy in the soldiers says, fight against that? No, we will run and we will live. And then he says this to him, I fight and you may die. Run and you will live at least for a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that one for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. I just love that speech because he's he's laying it on the line for a priority, a purpose, mm. a, a value bigger than himself. And that, that just calls to me. Yeah, that's awesome. So you got Spider-Man, you got... Uh, this this call to selflessness and mm-hmm. uh, great acts with no reward. Right. Uh, what's another one you mentioned? You named some other movies. Yeah. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Jaws. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, uh, what's the deal with Raiders? Raiders is cool because uh, the hero, Indiana Jones, has no real... He's like a nice guy, but mm-hmm. he's not like... He doesn't sacrifice very much. He loves what he's doing. It's like his it's his favorite thing in the world to hunt treasure. So it's like, there's not a whole lot like he's going and he's fighting. If you don't know the plot, he's fighting Nazis to find the, the Ark of the covenant, the Ark of the covenant. And the thing about him, Harrison Ford is so manly and macho that it doesn't really communicate this part of that story very well. But, um, that character is a nerd, uh, scientist bookworm. He's a professor. He's He's a a professor professor and a researcher. So, so it, 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 you know, it's supposed to be this nerd who does extraordinary action, which is outside of himself. But he's such a stud, it's kind of hard to see him as this nerdy guy. Yeah, and I think it's almost a twist because he's he is a nerd, but he also, he's not like, his inner natures aren't fighting. He's a nerd, and he's this macho world traveler. Right. Um, but my favorite part about that movie is that at the very end, he fails. Spoiler alert, this movie came out, you know, 30 <laughs> years ago, 40 years ago. Uh, so uh, if you haven't seen it, I mean, you know, I'm sure, I think it's on uh, it's on Netflix right now. The whole trilogy is. Anyway, in some way he fails. And he does, you don't he have to fails. give away everything. Well, but... I'm about to. So just oh, so you know, okay. if you have oh, an okay. issue, skip about five minutes ahead. All or right. <laughs> um, or just pause it and go watch Raiders and come back. It's oh, a, there you go. It's yeah. a 10 yeah. out of 10 movie. Yeah. Um, he fails and the, the Nazis open the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, that's right. And energy beams shoot out of it and kill every Nazi there, destroy these cameras, 
um, in a really gratuitous scene, melt the faces of three of the zombies. One of them explodes. It's like well, they're not zombies. They're soldiers. Or, sorry, Nazis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there really, are no zombies in Raiders no of the zombies, Lost Ark. No. Spoiler alert: No zombies. <laughs> also, also spoiler alert. Um, and uh, Indy and his uh, love interest Marion, they survive because he uh, remembers something he read on an inscription of a wall when they were searching for the Ark. And they both avert their eyes and don't look directly into the presence of God. And he yells at them, don't look, don't look, close but, your no, eyes. No, just to Marion. Yeah. He doesn't say anything to the Nazis. I don't think he, he cares for much. Oh, he says, right. he says, don't look, Marion. Yeah. yeah. And they're spared. <laughs> and then the the energy goes back into the arc, the light comes on it. So, as much as I, as, as all of that is, is just kind of ludicrous, um, the story, Indy fails, and the will of God stops the Nazis. So I always kind of like that because it's a, it's a critique from a lot of people is, Oh, some uh, hero, if he didn't do anything, the story would have played out the same. Uh, cause basically all of the movie is him racing against them to get to it. And then failing they want to militarize it somehow. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, even if they had gotten it and opened it, it would have done the same thing. Right. Right. Um, so it's, it's man's valiant yet futile efforts <laughs> to interfere with the will of God. You know what I love about that scene you described is he says to Miriam, you know, avert your eyes. Mm-hmm. I want to be the guy that you can tell a wife to do something or a girlfriend or a love interest to do something. And she trusts you enough to just do it. Yeah. You know, because I, is, I always get the, why, why should I close my eyes? You know, <laughs> And I want to earn such credibility that when I say something like that, it would be like, hey, okay, it's in the script. Yeah. It's and true. also he did not earn that kind of credibility of Marion. Their backstory before the movie is he betrayed her in some way or other. Oh, okay. Uh, she he does not like him very much. Yeah. yeah. Until obviously, you know, the half point of the movie or something. So uh, now breaking that down, you, that's your favorite scene in the movie. You love the movie yeah. because of Indy. What, what is it about him that speaks to you? I don't favorite scene of that movie might be the very beginning. It's just too well made, but that's, that's the, that's like the, the meaningful point of it. Uh, that yeah, it just speaks to me. The, the message that, uh, um, it really, he could have done or not done anything. You know? Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's the base of it. I also, I mean, just simply, I love the movie. It's, it's really well paced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's just an awesome, like fun, yeah, it never slows down. You're never like, man, I wish this scene would hurry up and get over with. So from a movie making standpoint, I just like it. Yeah, you know, I I'm a big fan of the Batman series. Mm. Um, not all of them, but I, I if there's a Batman movie, I'm going to see it. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of a big fan of of Batman. And in the Batman Begins one, there's that one comment. There's lots in there, but I think it speaks to that same masculine thing. You know, um, he's living large. Uh, women on his arms and stuff, doing all this stuff. And he's doing that as an intentional ploy. So people won't pay attention to him. Um, but he sees this childhood sweetheart girl. Mm-hmm. I, Rachel Dawes, I think is her name. And yeah. And he says to her, I really am a good man. And she says to him, uh, it's not who we are, but what we do that defines us. So you're thinking about Indy, you know, uh, would the world have turned out the same if he had done nothing? Um, what he did defined him. And that's something that, that line, I wrestled with that Batman line for a long time. You know, it's not who we are, but what we do that defines us. Yeah. Uh, whether I believe that or not, because um, you could be a, a good person from a being standpoint, mm-hmm. but is it really what you do that defines you? Well, that, that to me is, is the um, faith and works thing. Conversation kind yeah. of. Yeah. It's like, you can't just, you can't just say you be, like you saying you believe 
in like the promises of God or the or the working of God is one thing, and it is consummated or fulfilled with the action. So the action doesn't exist on its own. The faith doesn't exist on its own. When you have both, is when your your faith really takes form. Yeah. So I feel like in that same kind of way, it's like you can't just sit on your hands and and you know uh, say that you really have a heart for for the things of God without without actually you know partaking. Right. So I I kind of like that. Right. Um, I actually with, uh, um, against that kind of point, or it's, it's like, it's that same point, but way more understated is in Jaws and Fargo. I kind of pair those two together. Oh, well, let's pause uh, this conversation. Yeah, you should, you should do your movie first. Because I, well, I want to, I want to take a, take a commercial break here for a second. Give people a chance to rest their ears from hearing these, uh, these deep thoughts about <laughs> movies. Deep nerdy uh, thoughts. But you know we're 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 we've gone public with our uh, upstream with Jim and John uh, platform, and we have some things we're trying to accomplish just to make do our little part to make the world a better place, help people who need conversations like this. But we want to talk to you about the opportunity to support um, upstream with Jim and John and help us to produce more content, write more eBooks, and do more things. So uh, we're joining up with Patreon, right, John? Yeah, so Patreon uh, is a uh, crowdsourcing uh, website. It's not I the think same it's as crowdfunding. Crowdfunding, is the term. that's right. Yes. yes, yeah. Crowdsourcing, you may have seen, is like a, <laughs> it's like that's open source development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's really it's almost like a subscription service where you uh, you pledge a certain amount of money every month. It can be as little as one dollar a month, and it's just to help us out, just uh, uh, to support the uh, the podcast. And we're still going to keep doing it for free. Either way, you can tune in every single week. Yeah, unless and, uh, you know, we want we want to be real transparent. The goal here is to be able to devote more, particularly of your time, John, where you can help us get more content developed, write more books, get some more eBooks published, uh, and create things that are going to be helpful to the to the to the marketplace. And so, the funding is going to help you work more part time in your other jobs and do this with more devotion, so that we can actually go further faster. Yeah, it would be great. We could produce eBooks a little quicker. Um, and again, all these things are still going to come out, but, uh, yeah. So there's tiers and, and you get a different set of, um, rewards based on the tier of support, right? Yes. Yeah. So it'd be $1, you get something, $5, you get something, but all of that is on our website. So where do they find that? Uh, patreon.com. I think it would be, uh, forward slash Jim and John, but we'll have a link on our website as well as to all of our social media. You can go there. And uh, so Jim and John dot com. No, uh, H, no and H, H and John. Yeah. Just Jim and John. <laughs> and, uh, and you can find it all there. All right. So uh, let's get back to our movies conversation. And you were about to talk about Jaws and Fargo. What was yeah. your link there? So the link there, uh, again, on the the uh, the values of the individual and, you know, taking action as opposed to just holding the values in, in, you in know, yourself. Yeah. Exactly. I have these values. I don't act on them, but I right. hold them. Right, so Jaws is very much, it's not a morality movie. It's very much like there's a big, mean sea something monster. Something must be done. Right, and something must be done. A lot of really cool um, soft scenes with the main the, the, the main character. Well, there's a few, but the, the real main character is this. Um, is it the sheriff you're talking about? Yeah, or the, the sheriff. Okay. Um, and he's either the sheriff or police chief of this, oh, small, chief, yeah. of this yeah. small beach town yeah. where nothing happens. So his job is up to this point is very mundane. Yeah. And he's kind of just uh, just a, a quiet guy, and um, there's that a lot kind of, of a washed up cop. You know, it seems like maybe he had some crisis somewhere that he, made him leave the big city and go and just veg. Like, yeah, he's, that's kind of implied. He, yeah, uh, and he's very crestfallen seeming. He's very kind of morose. Um, 
lot of scenes of him just smoking a cigarette looking at the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's contemplating. Exactly. He's, he's the silent type. And exactly. you have to read his mind. Uh, but a lot of scenes of him with his uh, his uh, young uh, kids yeah. and just kind of hanging out with them and kissing them on the forehead and uh, and really kind of in not not in like a macho way. You know, there's like an action movie trope. Sure. Where, uh, yeah. He's not that guy. He, right. He, he, he like bleeds. looks at a video of like yeah. his his wife like, oh, what are you doing with that phone? And he's like, right. You know, uh, he has like very. So he's really a normal guy. Extraordinarily like he's really a very normal guy. Almost. Yeah. To a to an un, unimpressive extent. And what's cool is he's going to take on the establishment because. You know, the mayor and the whole town, they don't want to close the beach because it's summertime and that's their revenue season. Right. And so there's going to be economic cost to doing the right thing. And that's something that we see in our world all the time Mm -hmm. when it comes to pollution and all these things where people uh, take risks. Companies will put out a dangerous product, whatever. So that resonates with people, too. Of One of my favorite lines in that whole movie is him saying, the mayor is not going to believe we have a shock problem until it swims up and bites him in the ass. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that yeah. line. Yeah. So there's, and, and at a certain point, cause he, he's still trying to do the right thing through like the kind of the right lanes, but the, the end, the last arc of the movie is him saying, um, you know, kind of enough of that. And he goes out with this, with this old, uh, naval veteran and goes to go kill the shark. Uh, and it's this, uh, really, really intense, almost like, um, deliverance sequence where it's just, he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's trusting a guy who, who he thinks knows what he's doing. And I believe he can't swim. You know, he's afraid of the water. That's another yeah. thing. He's the police chief on an island yeah. and he's afraid of the water. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it's just really cool that he, uh, it's, it's not cause he doesn't have a monologue. That's one of the things I like about it is he's oh, never that's like, true. he's yeah. never like, I'm doing this for my family. Right. You just see, you just see him do it. Swear to me. Exactly. You know, there's none of those moments. No. And yeah. he just goes out and he fights the shark. We need a bigger boat. That is one right. thing he says over and over again. That, we need a bigger boat because he's so yeah. afraid. And, uh, anyway, really cool movie. And so that with Fargo is the same thing where it's understated morality. So Fargo is about another, uh, uh, police woman in this case in, um, Fargo, Minnesota, I believe, or North Dakota, North Dakota, North Dakota. It's yeah. on the border. I think yeah. they cross over. Yeah. But it's again. Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah. And, um, it's, uh, she's chasing this, uh, these two, uh, thieves. They're just kind of con men, uh, really, really grotesque characters. This one gets a little more into morality. It's not just man versus nature, but really the, the dialogue writing is, is so good. Uh, if you've ever been to the, the Midwest or known anyone from the Midwest, well, that's the thing. Like, the movie's way funnier if you've ever been to a place like that because yeah. the the understated personalities and the monotone uh, intensity of things is very very funny. Yeah, but tell me what you're getting to at because I'm having a hard time making a link between Fargo and uh, Jaws. Right, <laughs> setting wise, they're like. They're like opposites of each other. Yeah. Uh, Fargo's like in the dead of winter in the Midwest. Right, it's right. like six feet of snow. It's crazy. Um, the same thing is is it's a character who she's a lot less um, tortured than the character of Jaws or a lot less. Yeah. Confused. But she is. And I think she's pregnant through most of the whole yeah, movie. She's she? big so, pregnant in that movie. Yeah. So she's pregnant. She's kind of just a normal understated lady. So you don't yeah. get an idea for how smart she really is. You know, it looks <laughs> like she's fumbling through her life when actually she's solving a crime right and so this one is just a real simple um it's like a it's a crime thriller but in like the most understated dialogue and, right and like um like like the way the movie shot is just, it's very but it's like like she might as well have like an office job 
Okay, so Almost. now help me with this because I don't remember the story in detail. Okay. Uh, the car salesman guy. Yeah. It seems like he's a good guy who does a bad thing. Yeah, that that whole, uh, he just spirals into this lie that he was telling and everything yeah. goes wrong and he never lets go of the lie. And it tears his life to pieces. Mm. So he's kind of a tragic character. So he could have spun out of that if he had come forward quicker mm-hmm. instead of responding to seeking more safety with more lives. Exactly. I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, his, yeah, his scenes are very stressful. <laughs> if you've ever have memories of a kid or hopefully not too many as of an adult of just being caught in a lie and trying yeah. to go deeper. And it's, yeah. it's very, very uh, intense. Um, but, uh, I think I keep, have I said Marge? I think her name is Marge. I, if I have, you haven't said her name and I don't remember her name. Well, then don't, uh, it might not be Marge, but, uh, yeah, she's big pregnant the whole time. Her, uh, husband is an artist who, um, his only lines in the movie are about submitting for a stamp competition in their local <laughs> town where he's trying to design their local postage stamps. <laughs> I forgot. And he's, he's such a nothing in the he's story. So yeah. And, um, and the the whole the very ending of the movie, she, um, the two again. Well, I won't spoil it too bad because I don't think a ton of people have seen this one. As at least not as much as um, Raiders. So go see this one. Um, but anyway, she stops the bad guys. I'll mm-hmm. spoil that for you. Mm-hmm. And she gets back home and she climbs in bed with her husband and um, he says he got second place in the stamp competition and she goes, "That's great." <laughs> that's, <laughs> and doesn't even tell no. this epic story she's been involved no. in. And that's the last scene of the movie. That's so, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, what I love about Fargo is is that uh, it's Marge Gunderson. That's her name. Her name's Marge. Oh, Gunderson. okay. Yeah, okay. Marge, Marge Gunderson. Yeah. Uh, her whole thing is just uh, a person expecting. Uh, and I guess this is a theme for me, but yeah. uh, expecting no. There's no fanfare. She she's doing her job really well. She's very duty bound, and uh, she just knocks it out. That's awesome. Okay, so there seems to be a theme for you. Let me tell you about my last movie I want to discuss. Okay. And then we'll see if there's a theme for me. And we'll kind of wrap this up with what your movies might tell you about yourself. So, you know, A Few Good Men. I I, I bet I've seen it 50 times. It's on TV like every week. Oh, every week it's on somewhere. And and I'll probably watch it 50 more times before I die. I just love... And I the thing is, I get suckered in. I love the Tom Cruise character. I don't like... I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan, but I can't mm. stop watching movies he makes. Uh, that, <laughs> that's true. That other one, where is he? Where he's like the short guy, but in the books he's supposed to be like seven feet tall. Or oh, something. Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher. You know, those are another good. You know, it's a good deal. This right. mysterious guy who's all alone and rescues people. But yeah, it's just like a power fantasy. It's a lot of fun. It is. So uh, that epic courtroom scene in A Few Good Men with Jack Nicholson on the bench. He's the Colonel Jessup. Mm-hmm. And uh, his thing, I wish I could do a Jack Nicholson voice. <laughs> but he says this whole part of the speech, son, we live in a world that has walls and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You, you, Lieutenant Weinberg. I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have that luxury of not knowing what I know. That Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth, because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. 
I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand your post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you're entitled to. I mean, man, that is just such an epic scene. It's it's really awesome. What what uh what do you get out of <laughs> What I love there is you have a guy who's so intensely patriotic. I mean, Colonel Jessup would lay down his life for his country, and he means that, but he's got a distorted view of honor and this code and loyalty. So he lost his way. Hmm. He has these immense values that have defined his life. He's probably without a wife. He's probably got no close family. He is that isolated hero. And in his mind, he's a hero. But what happened is his hero uh, values went to his head. And he made this transition that I think happens to a lot of leaders. He goes from servant to his nation to an entitled dictator. Hmm. And I, in my world of pastoral ministry, I see pastors make that transition where they get into ministry because they love God. They love people. They want to serve this grand cause, a cause worthy of your life. Mm. And then the church grows. They get a little income. They want to drive a nice car. They want to be treated with specialty. They want to have a private parking space. They think they're entitled to, you know, the best seat at the banquet, the kind of that pharisaical transition. And so uh, I love, I love uh, the 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 kind of the magnifying glass on that dilemma and that that back edge of that sword of being so blindly committed to something that you actually lost your way yeah so uh, it's it's uh, I laugh at the stupidity of some of the things he says but I love the conviction that conviction like, yeah. man, that deep conviction and of course tom cruise's character has to lay it all on the line to even take this risk because yeah. if, he, if this doesn't go his way he's going to be his career will be over yeah that moment of uh of just like shocked silence yeah his like, hand is shaking in the glass yeah. holding that water but then after he would you know did you order the code red yeah. and then the the you're damn right i did <laughs> <laughs> and that, like oh, yeah so and then everything good. goes so quiet uh, yeah it was just like the shock it's almost like that uh the NFC Seahawks uh, Packers NFC Championship for you. Oh yeah, just my like goodness! The, the crazy yeah. like I that can't believe crazy that just ending. happened. One, you know, the onside kick they recover, and then this one play, the first play of overtime, and long touchdown pass from Russell Wilson yeah. down the middle to Jer- Jeremy Kerr, Jerome Curse, whatever his name. Uh, oh, Jerome Curse. No, 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 no. Uh, Jermaine Curse. Jermaine. So Jermaine Curse catches that in the end zone. I mean, in one play, bam! And it's like, yeah, oh, just, just that moment is so it's cool, so epic. Um. Yeah, that's a cool. Uh, the underdog story of that is really awesome. Just like a, a kind of nobody uh, military lawyer. Yeah, against like who actually a, a wasn't that good of a guy. You know, he was right. in it to just he doesn't care about justice. He's the guy who settles cases. Yeah, but he does have that the growth in that movie, talking to their where uh, he becomes families. a real person. Yeah, and, well, and the those poor uh, the soldiers who uh, oh the who two carried guys. out the code. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What a classic movie. So. Uh, let's talk about the theme of your movies. You, you, you kind of landed on a second ago that there's a part of you that really gravitates to the guy who's going to live for greatness with no personal reward. Yeah. I kind of, I, I realized this recently I was listening to a, a separate podcast. They were talking about musical theater. Actually, it's not, it's not mm. the point of the podcast in general, but th- this came up 
And uh, one of the guys was really into it. And he said, uh, what he likes about it is that you can't, that trying isn't enough, that the standards are so mm-hmm. high mm-hmm. that if you try your best and fail, it doesn't matter. You just know you're not count. good enough. It's right. like it's like being an athlete. Yeah. It's not about how hard you try. It's about how good you are. Mm. And one of the things that I like about these movies is it's just people trying their best. And because yeah. I think I value that almost more than results. I don't know if I should. But well, I think, we all love the we love all the diehard shows, and and he's one mm. of those guys, you know, who yeah, diehard is who's clumsy. He does it. Right. He does it messy, but he is committed. Yeah. And he gives it everything he's got, even though it's clumsy. Yeah, that's another great one. That's one of my favorites as well. Um, so I like I like these characters who have conviction. Come out to the coast. We'll have a few laughs. <laughs> Happy trails, Hans. <laughs> um, and yeah, who have have conviction and uh, they're and not, what does he say? You know, why do you do this in that last one? You know, why do you do this? Because somebody's got to do it. Oh, Die Hard Four. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he'll do it. He'll do it. That's a, that's the thing you're resonating with. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, I'll be the one. And they're not necessarily extraordinary people. None of them. Yeah. Marge is a good cop in the. Uh, you know, Spider Man's a good at fighting and stuff, but it's not. It's not about that. You know? Is there a part of you, John, that would love to be that guy? To be the guy who says, "I'll do it. I'll I'll take one for the well, team. I'd, I'll." I'd love to think about that while I sit on my couch and watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the thing. I feel like a, a fantasy reference, which yeah. you might not like, but yeah. it's it's the Hobbit. It's uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Bilbo. Is this happy? He has the perfect life. He's just a, a fat, dumb, and happy hobbit. Yeah, yeah. And with uh, giant feet, and he yeah. can just do what he wants. Yeah, yeah. and he uh, simple life. Exactly, and he gets you know called out to this grand adventure, and he does it. And he comes back, and then he lives his life again. And then, and he has this tension for about the fifty years between the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, where uh, he. Wants to go out again, but he doesn't really want to. He wants to and uh, risk it, it all again. Right. In the beginning of Lord of the Rings, he does go out again, but it's a... Uh, well, let me ask you a I question. I feel like kind of tension. Do you think it's okay for some people to be the simple life? I'm happy. I have kids. I enjoy my friends. And that's my whole life. Like, it's okay to be that guy. Hmm. Or do you think there is this call and everyone at some point in their life needs to answer this call? What do you yeah. think about that? Well, I think, I think, I don't, I think ignorance is not, isn't, is no virtue, right? So if that person, if that person is content and loves their, their life and they're, you know, maybe a a bus driver or a garbage Mm -hmm. man, you know, Mm -hmm. all respect to those vocations, but they, they do that and they love their family and they, you know, love God and, um, and and there's the, there's the participation with, with God that I, that I think is obviously important. So if they're doing that and they don't even... You know, they don't necessarily care one way or another. Now, that's the ignorant part, but but let's follow that lead because there's okay. movies like this where you're just that guy and you work in a shop mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there's a crime that happens in front of your shop and it's a gang crime. And if you testify, they're going to turn your world upside down. Mm. Some woman's raped and you know who did it, but if you testify... Right? There's shows like that I, as well. Yeah, I haven't seen this one. That might be, you should sell that script to, to Hollywood. <laughs> so uh, at some point, it's, it feels to me in, intuitively that at some point, you will be brought to a moment where you're going to have to choose sacrifice and do the right thing or keep your mouth shut and stay fat, dumb, and happy. Yeah. And so I think maybe what resonates with you in these movies is I want to be the guy that says, okay. Yeah. I will step up and take a risk. I will... And I think I think maybe that's going to happen. And certainly, if you're a Christ follower, 
Jesus is going to take you to places where there's some risk invited for you. Yeah. To inconvenience yourself for the sake of someone else, and there's no tangible reward for you at the backside. I feel so. There's kind of a. Uh, I've been curious about this. So, so uh, you and, and a lot of people talk a lot about the adventure of following Christ. Yeah. Um, and when I look around, everyone at the church with me lives the nine to five life. Mm. And I, and I wonder where is that adventure? And it's not that these people mm-hmm. aren't living like 100% for God. It's mm-hmm. not like they're, mm-hmm. you know, maybe holding back or maybe they are, but I'm just, I don't necessarily see people being led into those situations. So right. what do you, what do you mean by that? When you say, well, that's a great question because I think the adventure comes, um, in, it's not like, it's not like the, the, um, the rhythms of life need to get really high spikes for it to be the adventure. Hmm. It's just that it will be maybe a hill. And so uh, you're going to encounter, for example, a neighbor at some point whose wife dies. They've been married 55 years and Hmm. you're the guy next door. And maybe the widow is there and now she can't maintain her yard and she's on a fixed income and, and God's going to prompt you. And so the adventure is, am I going to inconvenience myself? Am I going to sacrifice some money to, to carry that person? It might be when you're a grandparent and one of your kids loses the ability to care for their own child. Hmm. I've watched people, friends of mine in their fifties, take on a four-year-old because it was either that or the foster system. So I, I, when I say the adventure, I think there, 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 it could be as simple as God prompting you to help somebody in a moment with a temporary thing. And it's like in and out done, but it costs you a convenience, uh, all the way up to, no, I want you to take this person into your life and care for their needs. Hmm. But at some point God is going to use you because he loves these people around us so much. Yeah. And we are his vehicle. We are his hands and feet. So I think that adventure, that's what I mean. Or, you know, I got a dream and I've got this career that pays X and it has benefits, but I've got this dream. Yeah. And am I going to go all chips in? Am I going to really risk? Uh, When we planted a church, you know, I gave up a career that had a fixed income and federal benefits and all that. I want to go plant a church and we cashed in and we took a huge gamble. We had uh, three children at the time. But it was an adventure. It was yeah. a risk, but it, it was the most fun time of my life. So that's what I mean by adventure, where you're going to end up having opportunities, maybe not to be the epic hero of Jaws or one of those, but you're going to have the opportunity to either step up or sit there and be quiet and not get to participate. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So when I, I think know. about my movies, yeah, you yeah, know, the, the the Guardian and the Braveheart and, um, you know, those kind of things. Um the born thing. Right. You know, I think of just being this guy who, uh, when we look at guys who are courageous and do epic things, they defeat huge enemies. Um, we tend to think of them as being fearless, Hmm. but I'm learning that courage is not the absence of fear. It's the willingness to keep going in spite of your fear. Yeah. And so these guys inspire me. There's part of me that wants to be the guy who can? Who will give his life to solving a big problem? Um, who will? Who will take on the the bad guy? Who will have such character? When I think of, you know, the gladiator thing, this guy has intense character. He's on a vengeance quest, and mm-hmm. he says, "I'll have my vengeance in this life or the next." And vengeance is a lousy motive. It's a, it's a, it's a fool's game to want revenge. 
Sure. But his love for his wife and children and his love for that emperor who had been killed, um, those guide him. And I want to be a guy who's guided by those kinds of deep values Mm -hmm. that will make me run right through a wall if need be for the people I love. Yeah. I think one of the things that's just appealing to everybody who lives more of a mundane life is the, is the Indiana Jones, Spider-Man thing where it's the, there's more to me than you think there is. It's like, right. I'm not just a professor. Yeah. I yeah. hunt treasure by yeah. night. Or I'm not just a broke college student. I'm a superhero. You right. Know? And everyone thinks that they are, maybe not everybody, most people think that they are capable of more than people think they are. I think you people know? do believe that in their hearts. They, yeah. they think that um, I'm, I'm smarter than people realize I am. Yeah. I can do more than people think I can. And so, you know, my whole point of this conversation, you know, father to son is think about the movies you love and think about the characters that you love and the scenes that move you and those principles, those themes, and maybe explore as a, as a quasi entertaining and quasi personal development conversation. Mm -hmm. What is that trying to call out in me? There's the fact that I'm attached to it. The fact that it speaks to me, should that uh, inform the way I'm living my life? Should I respond to that and actually follow that? You know, for me, one of my great favorite movies of all time is uh, Field of Dreams. Hmm. And everybody quotes it, if you build it, they will come. That's not the quote. It's if you build it, he will come. And it's about his dad. And it's an, I, I'm a sucker for father-son stories. Mm-hmm. My dad died when I was young. And I yet love, you don't like Star Wars. What the, yeah, how does that work? Well, you know, I'm your father, Luke. I love that part. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the field of dreams, he's just a common guy, right? Mm-hmm. But he's got this thing drawing him and driving him. And I think that this life is short and this life is intended to be rich, you know, meaningful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I would hate for us to, uh, settle for a life of material comfort, um, significant entertainment and pleasure yeah. without meaning, value and purpose. Yeah. I guess maybe my takeaway for this might be, um, adventure looks different. I, I think all, all of the movies except for a few good men are very violent. The ones we listed, mm. uh, well, Jaws and Fargo only have, well, Fargo has minimal violence. Right, well, right. Oh, no. No, they're violent movies. Um, you had my curiosity. Right. Now you have my attention. <laughs> now that one we can't recommend. <laughs> that is a gruesome movie. Uh, if you're curious, that was a quote from Django Unchained. Yeah. All of these come with an asterisk next to them. They're yes, all, they do. Yeah. We do not endorse any movies no. except Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but, The Princess Bride. We do endorse that movie wholeheartedly yeah. for everyone. That should be required viewing for everybody. But I think um, we we love stories. I think most people, unless you're some kind of sociopath, yeah. love stories because they give meaning to things. Yeah. And everyone wants meaning in things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah. that's that's kind of your takeaway is is that to live a life of meaning even if it's in a normal pattern of life. Right, right. I'm not expecting to go on some kind of hunt for the covenant, but right. But yeah, that's awesome. Well, John, um, let's talk about how people can follow us, subscribe. What do we want to encourage people to do right now? Yeah, so head to for for all of our stuff to get to all our social media, jimandjohn.com, no h, no h in the john, no h in john dot com. And, and it's uh, an A-N-D, not an ampersand or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's where you can access our Patreon if you'd like to support us that way. 
um, our Instagram and you can read our blogs there. Yeah, read our blogs. We uh, post uh, uh, about twice, two or more times a week. Yeah. And so you can read our blogs at jimandjohn.com. You can follow us on Instagram, which is uh, Jim and John. Mm-hmm. And Twi- then Twitter at Jim and John one at Jim and John one on Twitter. Again, always no H in the John. And then we're uh, launching a Facebook page where you'll be able to follow us there and uh, engage with us there. And uh, earlier I mentioned the the pursuit. That's a book that we wrote uh, mm-hmm. in uh, January, published in January. And you can find that on the website as well. January of 2019. Right. Just yeah. to date us if anyone. Yeah. In case, comes you're, back from in the case you're in the archives right, right now and listening to this while I'm already dead or I'm 65 or uh. something. Uh, anyway, so that's how you can follow us. We encourage you to, uh, keep, keep up with us, subscribe and set a notification so that you'll get a notification every time we have a new podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You can, uh, email us on our website. You can communicate with us there. You can leave comments, um, on our Facebook page. Um, reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you and correspond with you. And we appreciate you thinking about and considering Patreon. And until next time, Uh, Have a great day, and we'll see you at our next episode.